Amen. Uh, if you don't mind standing with me and taking your Bible, we're just going to look at a verse in Matthew, two verses, Matthew 28, uh, 19 and 20. Matthew 28, 19 and 22 verses there. Uh, I know people are coming in, so there, if there's room on your ends, you might have to tuck in just a little bit so we can make sure that everybody uh, gets seated. Want to be nice, be nice to people. Matthew 28, 19 and 20. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptize them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And I behold, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Can you say amen? Amen. You may be, you may be seated. Um, last week, uh, we done an ordination. You're going to see the picture of, of our elders uh, that serve CTC, uh, fine, fine men of God. Uh, they'll keep the picture up for just a moment. The only one that's missing on there is, is Wayne Rooks, who we've been praying for. And unless something has changed over the last uh, 24 hours or so, Wayne should be released and coming home tomorrow by the grace of God. And so we're grateful to God for that. Uh, he may, he'll still be on dialysis uh, and hopefully not for very long, but we're just going to keep praying that God finishes the work that he began. Uh, but what we did last Sunday night was the two gentlemen in the center, uh, Oakley Ray, which I think Oakley was, Oakley was in the house, okay, and Isaiah Lerma. I thought Isaiah was in the house. Those two men in the center in the front was just ordained as elders uh, last Sunday night, uh, and we're, we're grateful. The role of the elders at, at, the, at CTC is the feed, the help, the feeding, the caring, the shepherding, uh, protection of biblical doctrine, making sure we do things with integrity fis fiscally and pastoral accountability, uh, and also help us stay on track with mission and vision, why we exist, what God's purpose is for us. So I'm grateful uh, for them. They have helped us establish uh, the systems that we use and the different opportunities we have to do what God has called us to do. Part of that is um, the, the idea, like when you come into the house, you hear us say it often that we, we're creating a place where you can encounter the reality and the presence of God. You, so you, hopefully that's what you've been experiencing every time uh, you come, that there's that time of worship. And again, Consumed by Fire done a great job this morning. Our worship team, to me, does a great job every week where you can just engage in the presence uh, of the Lord and know that God is real, know that God is authentic. God speaks to us through the life of people. He speaks to us during that time of worship, that ministry time. He's, he speaks to us. But our, our end goal also for you, we, we used, to, used to call it quite a bit the touchdown. What, where is it that we're trying to get people? And, and, and that is this, that you know God, that you find freedom, that you discover your purpose, and you make a difference. It's, it's just a track for life for you, a track for life. And we do that, emphasize that through so many different ways. Every one of those is important. Of course, it starts with knowing God, which is absolutely the most important thing. We serve a God who is making himself known to people. We don't serve a God who's an idol or a God that's, that's, that's some kind of statue or made out of wood or out of somebody's imagination. The God that we serve is a real God. He's a personal God. 
He's a God that wants to engage with people that he created. And, and, and so our whole hope and desire is that you get to know this God. He wants to know you. He made that so possible and so real, and I'll deal with that. But he wants to know, he wants to know you. And the joy of living in this life is knowing him, not just having an awareness of God. Probably 98% of people that live on the planet have a mental ascent of God. They know that there is a God that exists. Uh, there's, a, there's, a, there's an awareness, there's an, a mental ascent. But we're talking about real, that God is real, that God is intimate, that God wants to have relationship, and he wants to have relationship with you. The God that created the planet did not just create you, wind you up, and just set you on your way. He wants to have a real, intimate relationship with you. He created you in such a wonderful way. The scripture says you've been fearfully and wonderfully made, wonderfully and fearfully made. And the joy, the joy of living, the thing that really matters the most out of all of the things that we can learn in life, and, and, and there's, there's reasons that we have to learn certain things for your job and career track, etc. But there is nothing more valuable in this life than knowing the creator, the God who made you and created you. That's the very outset of everything that God does is that he would have a relationship with us. Jeremiah 9, 23 through 24 is so good. It says, this is what the Lord says. Listen, listen to the language here. Don't let the wise boast in their wisdom or the powerful boast in their power or the rich boast in their riches. But those who wish to boast should boast in this alone, that they truly know me and understand that I am the Lord who demonstrates unfailing love and brings justice and righteousness to the earth. And I delight in these things. I am the Lord and I have spoken. Listen to what God is saying. God is saying there is a lot of things that people can boast about, riches and things that they've accomplished and, and, and things that we do and power that people have. But, but he says, really, what's the most important thing is being able to boast that I know the God of the planet. And just think about that. What would be more important to boast about? That you know President Biden, no comments, please, or that you know God of the planet? What would be more important, that you, know, that you know Ford that made the cars or you know the God of the planet? What is more important to boast about? There is no greater boasting than to know that I know the God whose love never fails, whose love never ceased, who always promises that he's going to care for me, that I can have a personal relationship with God. I love Alyssa's testimony in the baptism. Even before she knew Christ, she said she knew that the Spirit of God was drawing her to know God. And what did she do? She started talking to him, who a personal God that she realized actually made her and loved her before she came to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. There is no greater thing to be able to boast about than you know the only wise God and Savior. And this is what the Scripture says, to know Him is eternal life. To know Him, to have a knowing, a relationship, an intimate relationship with Him, that is eternal life. Jesus said it this way, and that's the end game. The end game is to get you to 
eternity, for every one of us to have an eternal relationship. John 17, 3 says, and this is eternal life, that you, may, that you know, sorry, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. That speaks it all. Every one of us can have eternal life. I love this passage because it says, knowing him is a qualification, having a relationship with him. This speaks to the rich and the poor. This speaks to whether you're black or whether you're white, whether you're born in China or whether you're born in Mexico, the message is the same. Do you want eternal life? It's got nothing to do with your money. It's got nothing to do with your nationality. It's got nothing to do with your ethnicity. Not nothing to do with your looks. Not got nothing to do whether you got hair or don't have hair. Whether you need four eyes or whether you can see with the two eyes, it comes down to just this. Do you know the God of the planet that created you? That is eternal life indeed. So it's, it's knowing God. And then from there, it's finding freedom because that's where it begins. Freedom in this life, knowing that there's a God who is purposed to set us free so that we don't have to continue to live in bondage. The, the brother's son, the song, no longer a slave, that we're free from the, 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 the fear that we had in this life and free from the doubts and free from the overwhelming anxiety all of the things that lead people to deep depressions and things that lead people to take in their own life. There's something that's gripped them that's got a hold of them. But when we know God, he's able to give us that freedom that those things that bind us, that cause us to do things that hurt others or hurt ourselves, Jesus is saying, I came that you may be free from those things. Absolutely have your shackles broken, like we saw with the dear lady at Cocopah. This is what the scripture says of Jesus, Isaiah of Jesus, Isaiah 61:1. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me, for the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He sent me to comfort the brokenhearted, to proclaim that captives will be released and prisoners will be freed. This is talking about spiritual bondage, things that trap us, things that overwhelm us, where we're caught up in the, in the deception and the trickery of, and the debauchery that Satan can get us caught up in. Jesus comes to set us free from that, break us from the bondage of sin and break us from the bondage of evil habits, things that can destroy our body and destroy our soul and destroy our mind. We can be set free forever that the thoughts that I think are thoughts of freedom and thoughts of life and thoughts of love, that I'm not shackled in my soul, overwhelmed over and over again about the things from my past. This is one of the great things I love about Jesus. Indeed, all of us probably got some things that we think, man, I wish I wouldn't have done, wish I wouldn't have said, wish I wouldn't have carried out. But Jesus says, I set you free, not that you would live in what you were, but you would have the freedom to live in who you are now in Christ Jesus. Here it is in John 8. 31 through 36, Jesus said to the people who believed in him, you are truly my disciples if you remain faithful to my teachings and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Jesus replied, I tell you the truth, everyone who sins is a slave of sin. A slave is not a permanent member of the family, but a son is part of the family forever. So if the son sets you free, make that personal, you are truly free 
indeed. You cannot go back into bondage once you rest in that freedom of the Lord Jesus Christ. Will you have stumbles? Will you have falls? Maybe so. But the shackles that bound you and kept you in a hell determination, destination, every bit of that has been, been broken. When I stand before the Lord Jesus Christ, it's not a litany of sins. He's going to lay out before me. Jesus Christ indeed is going to say, you are my son. You've been set free. You have been delivered. I know what your past is like, but you've been absolutely set free for a future to live with him forever. Can you say amen? And then we discover our purpose. Discover our purpose. The psalmist, uh, sorry, uh, the wise man in Proverbs said this, the Lord has made everything for his own purpose. Everything has been made for purpose. Some things we wonder, why in the world did God make cockroaches, but they got a purpose? I put those in the same category with cats, have no idea why God made cats. But dogs got purpose, alligators got purpose. If all of them have a purpose, you don't think that God has a purpose for you? He's created you with a purpose, and you're not going to learn that purpose by watching Oprah or listening to Dr. Phil or some TV talking head, some pundit who don't even have their own life together. And we're sitting there listening to them like we're listening to the Almighty God, and they got their own. You're not going to find it in a seance. You're not going to find it by reading tea leaves or going to some best ways to change your life seminar. You can't coach people into that. Not even your parents can tell you what your purpose is. Your husband can't tell you what your purpose is. Your spouse can't tell you what your purpose is. Not even your pastor. And everybody here knows I like to tell people what to do and what I think God is saying for their life. But not even me. That comes from the Lord God Almighty. It all starts with God because all of us are created for God's purpose. Bertrand Russell said it this way. And Bertrand he, unless he came to the Lord before he died, he was not even a born-again Christian, but he made this statement. Unless you assume the existence of God, the question of life's meaning and purpose is irrelevant. He's saying this, if you don't even start with the fact that there is a God that created you, why even ask what your purpose is? If you don't even start there, if, if, if there is no God, then honestly, you're just a freak of nature. You're just a, an, an amoeba. You're just some, some mixture of matter, complex stuff, maybe indeed, but just matter. Life only matters because God gives us purpose, and the only way we're going to know that purpose is finding it in Him, finding it in God. And when that purpose, when we know that, then I'm telling you, you're going to make a difference. Just like as a church, we show you things week after week, of the impact that you're having in people's lives in our community because we've, we've determined that God has saved us and set us free and delivered us so that we can be true, truly giving and generous and doing life with other people. He's destined us to make a difference. And, and, that, and that's what we want to get a hold of. What is it that I can do to have an impact upon people's life? I, 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 when I look at Acts chapter 20, which we're going to have this verse on the screen. It was, it's so interesting to me. Paul, before Acts chapter 20, he was already prophesied to him that he was going to, when he got to Rome, uh, to, sorry, yes, to Rome, he was going to be taken. He was going to be captured. Actually, when he got to Jerusalem, he, he knew that. But Paul said this, the Lord had already told him that he would see Caesar. 
There's a plan and a purpose for Caesar to hear the gospel. So all along the way, people are trying to convince Paul, don't go this route, don't do this, don't go this way. Well, on his way, he calls the, the elders of Ephesus, knowing that he's going to see them for the last time. They're weeping, the Scripture says, weeping on his neck. But Paul says this in Acts 20, verse 24, but my life is worth nothing to me unless I use it for finishing the work assigned me by the Lord Jesus Christ. Finishing the work. Now, he goes on to talk about what this work is. He says, the work of telling others the good news about the wonderful grace of God. Oftentimes, people say to me, Pastor, I don't know really what my purpose is. I don't know what it is that God wants me to do. Now, there'll be some things you'll discover along the way. And sometimes, honestly, I think we try to make that too complex. Honestly, you're trying to look for the thing when, honestly, it's just you being you in Christ Jesus that makes a whole lot of difference. But can I tell you something that everybody can do, no matter who you are? Tell others about the good news of Jesus. That is having an impact. That's making a difference, telling other people about the good news of Jesus. That helps people's lives be changed. People, the week, when you see people being baptized here every week, it's because someone has loved them enough to say, there is an answer. There is a Savior. There is a God. There is a King. There is a Lord who created us. And here's what we know. Nations need the light of Christ. Listen to Isaiah 42, 6. It says, I, the Lord, have called you to demonstrate my righteousness. I will take you by the hand and guard you. I will give you to my people Israel as a symbol of my covenant with them, and you will be a light to guide the nations. This is God's people. Now, listen, we love America. I think America is a great nation. But if you don't think America needs the light, I don't know what cave you've been living into. America needs the light. And listen, the light is not coming from the White House. The light is not coming from the Capitol. The light is not coming from City Hall or the Supreme Court. The light comes from the people of God who will bear the light of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's where the light comes from. If there's going to be any change in any nation, it's the people of the light that reflect on the glorious God who saved us. Can you say amen? We bring light and salvation. Isaiah 49, 6 says this, I will do more than restore the people of Israel to me. I will make you a light to the Gentiles, and you will bring my salvation to the ends of the earth. We do our best to do that as a church, and thank God that you're part of it. Our whole vision is to see people far from God find life in Christ. People, no matter where they are, if they're not in Jesus, they're far from God. Our whole value, one of our value statements is we will live for the bigger picture. We're going to take action locally, which you see every week. We're going to take action globally, as you see with Tisha and Stephanie and the ones taking teams out across the world, getting things done for Jesus Christ. The Lord, the gospel says it like this, the one we read. It says that we're to make disciples of all nations. Thank God it's not just us. We get to partner with people, join with other local churches, getting the people baptized, teaching them to observe everything that we're learning day after day, week after week. And Jesus says when we keep doing that, that he will continue to be with us to the end of the age. Following Jesus means that we're going to teach other people how to follow Jesus. We're not just going to leave this to ourselves. We're going to teach other people how to do it. I want you to see a video. I think the video is about five minutes long. Uh, Kurt and Kelly Van Erker normally come to first service, and they were in the first service. They lead Casas, Casas de Esperanza is what it, what it is, uh, Houses of Hope. 
don't recall how many hour, uh, years ago they started Casas, but it began with doing some humanitarian work down in, in San Luis, Mexico, and, and now building houses. Along that process, they recognize the need that there's many students, very much like the ones we're uh, ministering to there in Africa. Many students in Mexico, they don't have free school like we do. Many of them were not getting educated because they didn't have the money to go to school, didn't have the resources. So they started taking on one student at a time and asking people to help sponsor those students from very young when they first go into elementary school. They've been doing it for, for a few years now, and many of these students have went on to college by sponsorship from people among this body and, and elsewhere. They went on to uh, do their careers. Some of nurses are now going to be doctors. You're going to see a young man that's, that became a lawyer, wants to be uh, a judge. They've done a tremendous work down there, and now we're working with them to help put a scholarship fund together that they can continue to educate these students. You're going to be blessed by this video. Good morning. Uh, my name is Kirk Van Ecker, and this is my wife, Kelly. Uh, a lot of you know us, and some of you don't know us, but we are both have been commissioned um, through CTC as missionaries to Mexico. It started about um, almost 13 years ago now that we've been doing ministry down here. It started out, we were gonna just build a house. And so we built a house and then we built another house. And um, as time went on, we've, we've built over 70 houses now. Um, through the house builds, something that never occurred to us until um, a friend was down here with us was the need for education to break the cycle of poverty. Uh, one of the ladies that was here saw one of the, the girls at the house build and her, her heart just went out to her. She, she asked me, she says, well, what happens to this young lady now? And me being new down here, I didn't know for sure, but I said, probably what you see is what you get. There's not gonna be much change. And by the end of the, the day, she said, well, what would happen if I paid for her schooling? And I said, well, let's ask her. So we asked her, she goes, if I could go back to school, it would fulfill my dream. So the, the lady offered to pay for all of her schooling, for all of her expenses. Um, she paid for three years of high school. Then she went on to college and uh, became, uh, she graduated as an accountant. What happened is it turned into a double-edged sword. Uh, we. We encourage them, we bring in speakers. We have people from CTC who went down and spoke to our students. And what happened is they're going for their dreams. For instance, the young lady who graduated as a nurse, she, she graduated and immediately out of school, she signed a contract with the hospital in Mexico to work in the COVID unit. She worked for there for over a year. While she was in that COVID unit, she saw the difference that doctors made. And she got out and she says, I want to be a doctor. With that comes triple tuition. A lot of sponsors are able to, to pay for the high school, which is about $800 a year. They go on to college, it's $2,200, $2,400 a year. Many sponsors are able to cover that. Once they go on, some of the tuition now is up to five, $6,000 a year. And we're not gonna let these students down. We know that, we know what their goals are. We know what their dreams are. We're gonna help them reach them goals. That is why we're doing this. We wanna start a, a, a scholarship fund where the kids can apply for scholarships. That scholarship will apply to their tuition and their tuition will be lowered for their sponsors 
We don't want to lose no sponsors. They've been, they've invested in these kids for six, seven years. And if we start handing them bills for five, $6,000, they're going to go, I don't know if I can do this anymore. With the scholarship fund, we can lower that to what they're paying now. And that is our dream. I remember when I was a young man before uh, Casas, uh, my dad came to home with a book, little book, and I read the book, and it was the Constitution. That was my dream, because I, I didn't have the opportunity to become that dream and goal, but with Casas, mm, that dream became a goal, and, and I say to myself, well, this is the opportunity to be a lawyer. Casas gave, gave me to, the opportunity to continue studying, and I already finished my school this last year, and now uh, I want to be a judge, constitutional judge. Uh, Jan Peters is my sponsor, and she, from the first time that I met her, she was always there helping me, and she was always there telling me by email, you can do it, or I am, a pr I am proud of you. And that really helped a lot. And well, there is a lot of ways to help a person. And well, it is important the money, you know, or to pay the school. But sometimes when you receive uh, words, when you receive a you can do it, or when you receive uh, something similar, you start to believe in yourself and just start to say, well, they believe in me and I can do it. And that's important. There is a God that is uh, hearing me. Because everything that I am praying for, He has given me to me. And I remember that mm, I had a lot of problems with my dad. And one day I told myself, well, you have to pray for, for your dad. And I started to pray for my dad. And that was in March. And in April, my dad came to the church and changed. And that was like, that was the most amazing thing that God has done in my life, to change my dad. Because thanks to dad, my family started to change. It is, it is amazing how God works. I have seen the wonder things that he has done in my life. And I, that's, that's all. Awesome. Awesome. I just, I just love that story. I love that story. Kurt and Kelly are just doing, doing the work of the Lord, telling people about Jesus. Young man wants to go to school. They sponsor him to school, and next thing you know, the whole family comes to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Come on, fellas. And so we just absolutely know that God is wanting us to do the work of the ministry. We're a gospel-centered church. The mission for us is to go to the world and reach people for the gospel. Mark uh, 16, 15 and 16 says this, Then he said to them, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not will be condemned. 
We believe in doing the work of the ministry. We believe in carrying the gospel with the very thing that Kurt and Kelly are doing with, with, uh, with CASAs. We're committing $10,000 from CTC Mission Fund to get those scholarships started so we can hear more stories like y'all hear Martinez. At, at the house there down in San Luis, Kurt and Kelly have a wall of about a dozen more students just like that young man who have went up through the ranks some are now doctors, some are attorneys. They went right on through the ranks. They've learned the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, committed to sharing that gospel with others, and it's been a, a powerful thing. This is what we know. The gospel is necessary. Why is it necessary? Romans 3 tells us very clearly, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Preaching the gospel, telling people about Jesus is necessary. People everywhere are without hope. People are hopeless. Ephesians 2.12 says, in those days, you were living apart from Christ. You were excluded from citizenship among the people of Israel, and you did not know the covenant promises God made to them. You lived in this world without God and without hope. That's not just speaking to you and I. That speaks to your neighbors. That speaks to people in your home. That speaks to people on your job, people in the classrooms, people on the playgrounds, people on the ball fields. People are without hope, and it, they cannot get hope in any other place except in Jesus. There's no doubt about it, folks. Jesus is the only way to salvation. You cannot come to eternal life through Buddha. You cannot come through eternal life through Muhammad or Joseph Smith or, or, or some, some statue somebody got sitting somewhere, or some ancestor in some fo uh, uh, foreign spirit. You can't come to Jesus through that. All of those roads lead to somebody dead. Why follow somebody dead if you want to be alive forever? Why not just follow the one who is alive? Follow Jesus on the path of the Via Dolorosa. Follow him to the cross. Follow him where he's got crucified. Follow him right to that tomb and go right back to that same tomb and see if Jesus is there. Why isn't he there? Because he's alive. He's a savior that keeps his word and keeps his promises. There is salvation in no one else. God has given no other name under heaven by which we must be saved except the name of Jesus. The gospel is Jesus, and Jesus is the gospel. He's the only eternal Son of God. He's merciful. He's the sinner's Savior. He's the Redeemer of us all. He's the cornerstone, the capstone. He's unsurpassed and unprecedented and unparalleled. There is no one like Jesus. 1 Timothy 2.5 says this, there's one God and one mediator who can reconcile God and humanity, and that's the man, Christ Jesus. That's it right there. You're here because Jesus loves you. You rejoice in this life because Jesus saved you. And that same Jesus has given every one of us that same mission to tell others about him. So the life that we have is the life that they can have. Everybody stand if you would. Prayer team is gonna come. I'm going to say a prayer and consumed by fire is going to take us into a song of worship. The service host will come and dis dismiss you. If you just bow your heads for just a moment. Father, I want to thank you. I want to thank you for being a good God, a glorious God. God that does save. We boast, Lord God, in knowing you. We live free, Lord God, because you have set us free. Father, you are the one that has given us purpose in life, reason to live. And Lord, because of you, we can indeed make a difference. Yahir's story, Lord God, is not the only story being made. Alyssa's story this morning in baptism, not the only story being made. 
our story, Lord God, is being written. And we're thankful, Lord, that you are the one that is the story writer. You're the story writer. You're the one, Lord God, that makes us promises that you can keep. You're the one, Lord God, that delivers, sets us free, puts us on the right path. And it's in you, Lord God, that we give all glory, honor, and praise. Let us have it upon our heart and mind, people, Lord God, that we want to know, we want to see, know this same God and Savior that we know. Lord, speak to us about people who are just waiting, people that are counting on us, counting on us to give them a word of hope. Father, I pray that you help us to make a difference in this city, in this community, in our families, and in this earth that you've given us to live in. It's in Christ's name that we pray. May the people of God say amen. Listen, the altars are open. These dear people are here to pray for you. Whatever you need, just come. They're, they're absolutely here to love on you, minister to you, pray for you, maybe healing, maybe baptism of the Holy Spirit, maybe help you walk through a decision that you got to make, but they're here to love you. And I just want to encourage you to have a great day and go out and tell someone about the gospel message of the Lord Jesus Christ. God bless you.